Well, as has been our practice uh, throughout the uh, past year, um, we welcome those who are our youngest disciples here with us this morning. We're just so grateful to be a community of lots of generations uh, that come together in worship, that come together in discipleship. And so as we uh, turn our attention to this time, we also uh, turn our attention to not only youngest disciples, but all disciples. And so we're going to pray uh, a prayer for our youngest disciples, but also for each one of us here this morning as we gather around God's Word, that God's Spirit might enliven us uh, from that Word, that we might live differently in the days to come. Let me invite you to join me with a prayer in a very special way. Take your hands. You have these right here, however many hands you have. We'll use those. And we're going to hold these up symbolically um, as we're praying for the kids. If you see a kid, you kind of be like a radar, kind of point towards them if you want. Um, but symbolically as a gesture that our prayers are laying hands on them and, and offering a blessing for them. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you on this day for your great love for us. A love that calls disciples of all ages from all different backgrounds to come and to follow. And not only to come and to follow, but to come and be transformed and be given new life. And so as we gather here this morning, uh, each one of us of all ages, we remember those youngest disciples here amongst us. Remember Jesus loved children and welcomed them. And so, Lord, we pray uh, we also welcome them here this morning. We love that we have these kids here and that they're part of this ministry. And so, Lord, we pray that your greatest blessing would be with them today. That your spirit would open their hearts and their minds to what you'd have them to hear and know that they might grow in faith. And that's really our prayer for all of us, uh, disciples of all ages, that we might follow you more closely, that we might love you all the more. And so, Lord, as we gather around your word even now, uh, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would open for us in our hearts and our minds new vistas, that we would see you at work, that we'd see your call, that we would know your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our scripture reading this morning uh, is coming from Psalm 27. And as we turn to the, those pages, I know that we've kind of crossed a threshold here with a coffee cup on the pulpit So, uh, in the Jimmy administration. Uh, so who knows what's next to happen. So, But Psalm 27, hear God's word this morning from the psalmist. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter. In the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me. O God of my salvation, if my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks 
be to God. Well, a number of years ago, uh, I was participating in a dodgeball tournament. Now, the rest of that story could be for another time. But we, had an, we needed an extra player on our team. We were trying to form this team, and we needed one more player to really fill out the roster. And we've got some recommendations about a guy who really loved dodgeball. And not only did he really love it, but he was, as a, he was advertised as being someone that was really good and that you should have on your team. And so we welcomed him. We said, yeah, come join, be part of our team. When he showed up for the tournament, he came walking into the room, and he had headphones in. And he was listening to some sort of music that I'm sure were tunes that were trying to get him into the zone, right? Into that kind of that player mode, get that mentality so he's ready to heave balls at other people. You know what? I think it worked because he was really good. (laughs) He was a really good dodgeball player. But don't most of us do that? Don't we? Not dodgeball, but music to pump ourselves up. I mean, if you watch any movie from the 1980s, you know that this is a very effective exercise. You play a soundtrack, it gets you pumped up. You've been in a weight room, you hear the music playing. Maybe you're out for a jog. Maybe you're driving into work in the morning. Uh, you have a particularly hard day ahead of you. And what do you do? You turn to your soundtrack. What's my soundtrack? Let me hear, let me hear a song that's going to get me inspired, that's going to get me pumped up, that's going to build my confidence. Right? Where is Eye of the Tiger? Right? Where is that, where is that playing? Or how about the horn section on Sinatra's I've Got You Under My Skin? Okay, maybe that's just me. All right? But you've got your song, right? You've got your portion, the thing that gets you really pumped up and really ready to go. Well, Psalm 27 is one of those tunes. If you turn to the Psalms and you're looking for one of those pump up, inspire, get confidence, Psalm 27 is your song. And that's the one you should cue up here. How can you not get inspired with words like this? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Right? Get you pumped. You're already excited as you're reading the first verse there. But it also does much more than that. It's not just about pumping us up. It invites us to do something more. It invites you and me to step into a different place, to live in a different way. What exactly that is, we'll see, and we'll come to see here in a few moments. But for now, let's turn our attention to not what brings us confidence, but what the psalmist says to the one who, not what, who brings that confidence. So note the first verse here. Whom shall I fear, and whom shall I be afraid? This isn't the reckless wonderings. All right, let's get this right from the beginning. This isn't the reckless wonderings of one who supposes themselves invincible. Right? This isn't someone who goes through their life and says, I'm bulletproof. All right? They're not walking around saying, you know, I, I, I can do anything. doesn't matter. I'm invincible here. But rather, what we have here is one who is going to rightly conclude these words based on the one who has revealed themselves to the psalmist. So the psalmist is going to say, this is the conclusion that we can draw based on what we know of who God is. And look how they go on to say here. They say, the Lord is, all right, the Lord is my light and my salvation. When I think about light, I don't think about confidence, right? In our culture, a lot of times we talk about light. We don't talk about things that instill great confidence, right? Light beer, (laughs) right? Doesn't instill a lot of confidence, all right? These type of things, you know, we don't, we don't think about that way. We live almost like our, our lives have been transformed a lot of ways by electricity, right? So when we turn on a switch, we don't think about light bringing confidence in that way. 
But if we turn back to the ancient mind for a, for a moment, and particularly as we turn back to the Jewish mindset here and the stories that the people uh, from that culture would know and understand and would be readily recalled here at this point, we see a far different picture here. And we've got to go back to Exodus. Remember in Exodus chapter 13? You might be like, no, I don't remember Exodus 13. You remember the stories. The people of Israel are leaving Egypt, right? And what happens by day and by night? There's a pillar of cloud by day. There's a pillar of fire by night. The light that comes at night is in that pillar of fire. Now, that by itself doesn't necessarily instill confidence. It certainly gives you the idea that God is present with them and leading them. But it's far more than that. If you turn the chapter to Exodus chapter 14, we read there that those same pillars become barriers. They actually become barriers that prevent the Egyptian military from overcoming these folks who are fleeing from Egypt. It's almost an amazing scene. If you have a chance, turn to Exodus 14 at some point and read that picture, how these things that were these images of, of, of leading the way now move back and become a place of a rear guard and are protecting the people. So much so that it says in Exodus uh, 14.24 that the army of Egypt is thrown into a panic and then they go on to conclude the Lord is fighting for them in Exodus 14.25. The second thing we see about the Lord is this. It says the Lord is the stronghold of my life. All right, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Let's not get soft here. All right, let's not get soft. Life is not easy, and it's certainly not safe. There's nothing easy or safe about life. Was it this past week? I think I saw the note. I wasn't over at the store this past week, but a guy was walking around Fred Meyer with a machete. All right? Uh, life is not easy. It's not safe. It's unpredictable. There's things that come across our way that we're not expecting, that we're not anticipating, that it can be quite dangerous. And so this word here for a stronghold when the psalmist uses that word, they're not using a, a light word here. They're not going lightweight here to us. They're talking about a place of protection. It's a fortified place. When you talk about strongholds, you're talking about being assailed by military force, people bent on your destruction. Where's the place that you go to for refuge? Where do you go for protection in the midst of such an assault? You would go to a place like this, a stronghold. What's the stronghold for your life? The Lord is that for the psalmist. There's a story about a symphony orchestra that had little confidence in their new conductor. They weren't confident in the, in the, the conductor at all. In fact, uh, they, this new conductor gets hired and is supposed to lead them, and they're wondering if he's even up for the task. Can he even do the job? And so they thought they would test him, and particularly one percussionist. It's always the percussionist, right, who's always testing the new band director or the conductor. But in this particular case, the percussionist decided that during a very soft a uh, very uh, delicate portion of the piece that they would just start banging on the cymbals. And so they did. Really quiet music's playing. This person's banging on the cymbals, crashing around. Well, then the music stops. And the conductor, as you imagine, is angry, highly agitated, and looking around the orchestra and says, who did that? Not a lot of confidence in that new conductor. Doesn't know what they're doing. Our psalmist makes clear here from the outset of our psalm, from the outset of this psalm, from these first few verses, that the Lord is up to the challenge. If you're looking for a resource, if you're looking for a source of confidence, one to be confident in, God is up to the challenge. 
God knows what God is doing, is what the psalmist include here. So it's God who serves as his source of protection for our psalmist and our friend Matthew Henry, who I've mentioned before. I like a good Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry observes this. He says, God, who is a believer's light, is the strength of his life, not only by whom, but in whom he lives and moves. In God, therefore, let us strengthen ourselves. And the psalmist here knows that strength. So much so the psalmist is not overcome, not gripped by fear. Even more, adversaries and foes, as we read here in the text, uh, in verse 2, they'll meet their demise. We also hear in verse 3 that even amidst the presence of an army that rises up against the psalmist, it's not a cause of fear, but rather it's a time for confidence. But exactly what do we do to strengthen ourselves in God? What is it that we can do? That's great for the psalmist, right? Sounds like the psalmist got it all together. But what about me? I'm a wreck. How am I supposed to find confidence? Where do I go to retrieve water from that well? We'll take a look at what the psalmist says in verse 4. The psalmist has a soul desire and outlines that here in verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, that will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. This here, this language here, you may not know this just by reading that, that's the on-ramp to discipleship. If you think about what first steps to a life of discipleship, of following Jesus, these are the first steps. And they're not only the first steps, they're also characteristic of an ongoing and a growing life of faith. What is it? We can sum it up in one word. Curiosity. It's curiosity here. The psalmist is talking about their own curious life and the curiosity that they have. Curious enough to want to see the Lord, to behold God's beauty. Curious enough to want to know God's will, to inquire in his temple. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to serve with a great number of very capable uh, children's ministry directors. And I know a couple of them right now who would say, curiosity, that sounds like a lot like another word that we use when we talk with kids, the word wonder, and asking wonder questions. Our psalmist wants us to hear that, to hear that we're to live lives of curiosity and wonder after who God is and what God is up to. What does God desire for us? And the psalmist wants this for us and for themselves for very good reason. We see that in verse 5. For the Lord will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will counsel or conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will set me high on a rock. Of course, that's a riff. If you think of jazz, that's a riff on what he said earlier about God being their protection. He's riffing on that at this point, and it leads the psalmist to offering praises. That's the natural response here, a life of worship in response to what God is doing. This curious psalmist, and I do a little play on words here, this curious psalmist has now become delirious, as in the 1990s worship band of the same name. <laughs> they now turn themselves, they can sing of God's love forever, right? Because they've experienced something here of what we, and we read that in verse 6, and the experience that they've had. Of course, this all sounds great. But what happens when the bottom drops out? What happens when we actually are feeling the pressure of fear that is mounting all around us? 
when our own confidence begins to wane. It was Eleanor Roosevelt who said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And of course, that certainly sounds like an inspiringly strong statement. One that exudes confidence, right? It's just pouring out confidence in that statement. But in practice, we know that our confidence can be far more fleeting. I was reading about someone who named their eraser confidence because every time they made a mistake, they had less of it. And so here we are in this time, this season, in which our own confidence is shaken amidst the continuing story of a pandemic that won't go away. Devastating natural disasters that are hitting places in our own country, but also around this world. Sociopolitical pressures and headlines that even speak to, do we still have confidence in our leaders and what's transpiring in the world today? And certainly our psalmist could feel that. We see that as the psalm goes on in verses 7 through 12, that the psalmist doesn't give us a pretty picture of life, doesn't give us rosy images as though these things are not part of life. These words of acclamation that we have heard already, this worship that is broken out, is now given way to words that are seemingly of desperation in verse 7. They're now in this different place. The commitments of the psalmist are now tested, just like our commitments are often tested, by the realities of life. The curious delirious now meets the serious when it comes to life. You like how these words are coming together? Is that, is that helping at all? You're like, I think we have Dr. Seuss working here or something. What's going on? But there's serious challenges of life, and we know those. But note that these words, as desperate as they might be, as desperate as the times might be that the psalmist identifies in their own life, as they look at these different places in their own experience, and the things that come across their path, note that each one of those are still moored to who God is. It's still moored to that. It's still attached. It's still connected. Verse 9, God is help and salvation. Verse 10, God will take up the quote-unquote orphaned. Right? When your mom and dad can't take up the task, God will still take it up for you. It says in verses 11 through 12 that God teaches still and leads us. And of course, we know from the very beginning and throughout, it's God who protects. It was in an 1887 revival meeting, as the story goes, that a young man who had just committed his life to Jesus Christ, who'd taken on that life of discipleship for the first time, was reportedly heard saying these words, I am not quite sure... I'm going to trust and obey. That's what he said back in that 19th century revival. Well, those words, of course, were heard by another person who was attending that meeting. It was a Daniel Towner, the music director of Moody Bible Institute. He was attending the same revival. He heard those words. He would go on to collaborate with John Samus to write a song inspired by the moment. And I think you might know the song. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be unhappy in Jesus, but to trust and to obey. Amidst the real challenges of life, our psalmist here echoes a similar sentiment. And why not? It makes perfect sense that they would use this, particularly as we think about the gospel writer John, who will talk about this one named Jesus, who is the light of all people. That this same Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. 
If we think about it, the name Jesus itself, which literally means God, is our salvation. My light and my salvation. That sounds familiar, right? We've heard that before. So familiar that the psalmist is confident. And there it is. That they will see the goodness of the Lord, not in the afterlife, not centuries later, not in the lives of their descendants, but rather we hear here in our own text, in the land of the living. They're expecting to hear God's response of protection as they follow God's lead. They're expecting to see something happen soon. Not later. Soon. Not after these armies have killed them, but in the land of the living. Here and now. So what's our encouragement today? For us here as we sit here in the 21st century, what does it mean for us as we stand or in your case, sit in this place at this moment. What is it that we're being called to today? Well, the thing with this psalm is, and what they provide for us in this psalm, they already give us a conclusion. They made it easy for the preacher. Verse 14, they say what we're supposed to do with this. They offer these words to us, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The benefit here is not just for the psalmist. God isn't just for the theology books. This is for you and for me today. This can be our confidence. This here can be our song. This can certainly be part of our life's playlist and should be part of that. I was reading this past week and I'll close with this. I was reading a something that uh, Jane Stroll, who's a Lutheran minister, she tells a, a story about something, or not necessarily a story, but something that Martin Luther had written. And she shares this, and I think part of the reason this, this stuck out to me is because I know in a few weeks we're going to begin a study of the book of Galatians. If you remember how Galatians begins, uh, Paul talks about if someone comes to you with a gospel other than the one I preached. Um, I'll fill in the rest as we get in that series, but um, he has these words about other gospels. And so Stroll here talks about that Martin Luther wrote that if God were to come to Luther's doorstep, God were to show up right at the door there and announce that on second thought, he was not going to save him. <laughs> Sorry, Martin, you're out. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not going to bring you salvation. I've changed my mind. It's all over. How would Luther respond? Well, Stroll says that Luther wrote this. Too late! I have your promise. It's too late. You've already promised. I have confidence. Luther had confidence. Friends, this morning as we have heard who God is in Psalm 27, and as we receive and hearing who God is, knowing who God is our confidence, and it provides for us as we move each and every day in the days ahead, it provides for us a place to be moored to, to be anchored to, a place where we might too experience the confidence and the joy of knowing that we'll see God's salvation, not in the, only in the life to come, but in this life as well. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you on this day for your great love for us. We say that so often, but we can't say it enough because your grace has abounded 
places around this world in our very lives and continues to abound because of who you are and what you're capable of. Lord, we pray this morning that you would give us eyes of faith, that you'd open our hearts to be able to receive those good promises that you have for us, that we might then live faithful lives, lives of gratitude, expressions of worship, because you who have done everything, you have completely transformed us, and you continue to transform us day by day. Help us to know that. Help us to see that. Help us to be confident. And Lord, this morning, if there's those who are looking at this as an on-ramp to join in the life of discipleship, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would continue to do that good work in their life, to bring them to that place of knowing your salvation so that they too might be confident. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.